Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, limitless-estates.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's jump into our show. Today, we have Dale Corpus here with us. Dale, how's it going? I'm very good, Lolita. Good. How are you? I am doing good. Thanks for joining us. Before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Dale. Dale has been investing in income-producing real estate since 2006. Recently, Dale has added commercial real estate syndications in workforce housing, mobile home parks, and self-storage as he saw this as a way to scale and grow his investing business. From managing his own retirement account to investing more in commercial real estate syndications for better returns, we're going to hear it all from this experienced passive investor. So Dale, could you please take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Okay, sure. Um, well, I'm honored to be on your show. A little bit about me. I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I still live here. One interesting factoid about me is that I got my degree in electrical engineering over at Santa Clara University, and I don't do that. Uh, a year after graduating, I got laid off, and it was actually a good thing because I realized that I wanted to use my natural problem-solving skills to help people rather than solving like things on circuit boards. And I was also simultaneously obsessed with trying to figure out how to own a property in the Bay Area at that time since I thought it was already expensive back then. So I made this transition to becoming a mortgage loan officer. It was a really great time to be in it because it, it was it was exciting. I was in the heyday of the, the mortgage boom. I worked at the big banks, Chase Countrywide, Wells Fargo, making a really good amount of money. And I was able to achieve that goal of buying that property. In fact, I got two properties in the Bay Area, which in turn led me to get my very first out-of-state rental property in 2006. And that was a great thing. Everything was going really well until a the crash happened. I wasn't sure how I was going to make money ever again, but I ended up getting calls from my existing database of how to maneuver through like their distressed property situations, how to do loan modification, how to short sell, or should I foreclose? And it ended up that I was the point contact for them to really understand what to do. So I made the transition to become a distressed property realtor at that time, started my own business, wasn't sure how it was going to go, but it ended up going really well. In fact, this is what led me to investing, actually using a self-directed IRA. I was trying to understand how to shelter more of my income. So I opened up something called a solo 401k, started to invest notes in that, and that went really well. Then uh, later on, I started thinking more into just passive investing and what else can I do? When I had kids, I had two kids along the way, I started changing the way I thought about time and money and what I wanted to do on a day-to-day basis. So I knew that I wanted to be you know, there for my kids and be there for their jujitsu and their basketball practices. And I wanted to keep up my hobbies. I also wanted to grow 
a nest egg for my family, as well as continuing my real estate sales business because I love it a lot. I wanted all of this, but I wanted also a way where I could grow more income and not necessarily have to sell real estate because I had to, but because I wanted to. And so it was stumbling upon podcasts such as yours where I was able to understand about passive real estate syndications. It took me about six months of learning about it. I pulled the trigger and now I'm invested in real syndications as well as mortgage note fund syndications. And it's been great. I've been able to now help my clients buy and sell. And now I'm talking about uh, passively invest. Awesome. Thanks for that intro. So tell us about your first passive investment. What are the details on that property? Okay, so on the, my first sort of passive investment, that was interesting. So I, it was during the heyday of the mortgage boom. I had already acquired properties in the Bay Area, and I was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kiyosaki at the time, where he talked about putting buying assets that put money into your pocket. So I, was, I wanted to go ahead and just do that. I leveraged one of my properties in the Bay Area to buy an out-of-state rental. It was in Las Vegas at that time. And it was not a turnkey rental. I actually chose my own realtor. I chose my own property manager. It was cash flow positive, but it was cash flow positive on an interest-only loan. I wanted to do everything. And I felt that that was a way for me to just get immersed and learn as much as possible in the real estate investing space. But it's funny because now I'm completely opposite. I want to do as little as possible to make that passive income. Cool. So you're invested in four different asset classes through your syndications. How are you educating yourself in each of these asset classes? Are you mainly just building a relationship with a sponsor and trusting their judgment? Okay. So the way I've done this is really through immersing myself into a ton of education, such as great podcasts like yours, and also joining a mentoring club. I found a mentor. In fact, I took uh, Hunter Thompson's, his mentorship class, and that helped me immensely. It was very invaluable and it got me plugged in with a lot of other investors doing the same thing as me. And I think it was the power of just that network. I could leverage on people's ideas and go to them for questions. I know that I don't have the, the answers for everything, but I know somebody in my network has that answer. Someone they know has that answer. Okay. And so today, have there been any challenges you can share with your passive investments or things that you maybe would have done differently? I fortunately haven't had any big challenges per se with my passive investments. But one thing I wanted to say is now that I have invested in several syndications is this, just choose your sponsors wisely. You're going to be a lot of times stuck with that sponsor for sometimes a good seven to 10 years. So just make sure that they're in alignment with your goals, that you jive with them, that you really resonate with them, and that uh, you feel that they're being very transparent with you and representing your best interests. You know, you can utilize a lot of your network to get references on, on the sponsors, but, you know, really just focus on picking good sponsors. And if all possible, one thing I, I, I wanted to throw out is that I would love to be able to meet all the sponsors prior to investing if possible. Like my initial two syndications, I didn't, but they've been fine. But I think that I'm really good at vetting folks just by meeting them in person and seeing, meeting them eye to eye. We always talk about that. You want to know, like, and trust your sponsor, right? Because when it comes back down to it, they're the ones running the deal and it's going gonna, it's gonna to really weigh heavily on those sponsors. How did you find the sponsors that you're currently investing in now? Okay. Initially, some of the sponsors that I found were through podcasts, actually. I did invest with Hunter Thompson. He had a workforce housing fund. That was one. And also 
through just networking from from folks that I know that that were full-time investors. I, for example, got started in the no space through one of my business partners that was a full-time investor. And he was the one that first got me involved with, you know, mortgage, with mortgage notes and, and whatnot. And I leveraged some of this, his contacts as well to, to, to also learn about syndication. Okay. And what are your investment strategies when it comes to diversification? Okay. So when it comes to diversification, I like to invest in both debt and also in equity. So I mentioned the idea of mortgage notes. I like the, the idea of mortgage notes because they have steady income streams. They have shorter hold times. They have lower returns overall than equity types of investments, but I think they provide a great overall balance to my investing portfolio. And I do like equity investments as well because they have that uncapped, those uncapped returns and tax benefits such as depreciation, but they do have longer hold times and inherently have more risk. So I think the two really go well together. Do you invest in through a specific way when you invest through debt versus your equity? Oh, what sources really are you using? Yeah. Huh? So most of my, actually, I would say all, all of my mortgage notes are in my solo 401k. Okay. And I do that specifically because it's already, ta- it's, it's best to, to do notes in something like a solo 401k because all of the profits that you get from the borrowers paying the mortgage payments from month to month, I can defer paying any tax on them by just keeping in the solo 401k, using those profits to buy more notes in. Because if I did it outside my solo 401k, then I would have to be worried about paying capital gains tax. And so I like keeping all of that money in there so I could grow the money faster and faster inside the solo 401k. For real estate syndications, I prefer to do them outside the solo 401k because I am able to take advantage of the depreciation. So I'd rather not put it inside a solo like a self-directed IRA or solo 401k because they're already tax advantage outside of the out of the self-directed IRA. Yep. Okay. So debt basically is through your self-directed IRA or 401k and the equity is outside. Yes. Yep. Perfect. Do you diversify at all between high risk and low risk investments or just your asset classes and markets? So for high risk and low risk, I would say, I mean, that's kind of mitigated by the fact that I'm doing both debt and equity, but I, so I kind of look at both and I, I do, I think the first thing I do is the debt and equity. That's like the first priority. And then secondly, I then diversify between the markets and, and assets. Okay. So there's eventually going to be a downturn. What are some of the things you do to re- reduce your risk when investing? Okay. For me, one of the biggest things that I do to reduce my risk in investing is that I really don't go outside of the box of what's done historically well during the past recessions. So I stick to what I believe are the most recession-proof asset classes as possible, such as uh, self-storage, uh, mobile homes, home parks, and multifamily. So I know that in the long run, I can weather the storm with these asset classes, and I'm just, you know, I'm just sticking to the fundamentals. Okay. And so out of the four asset classes you're invested in currently through syndications, which one are you most excited about and why? The one that I'm personally most excited about is my mortgage note fund syndications. I think it's because of my mortgage, you know, loan officer background and I'm really a mortgage geek. So when it comes to this, it's like, I love the ways that the different ways and the different exit strategies that you can use to still make money in mortgage notes. And I know this asset class isn't really talked about as much. I mean, you can make money just by 
to a foreclosure even, you know, you could resell the note as a reperforming note, you could really wholesale the note, and you, you could do cash or cheese and things like that. There's just so many different exit strategies. And I think that, you know, with my technical engineering background, I just, I, I like the way it just flows and just all the ways in which, you know, you can make money off, off a note. And so it's been great. Now, do you buy these notes directly or are you investing in a syndication that basically purchases a bulk of notes, so more like a fund for the notes? Good question. Initially, I started buying notes individually myself because I didn't know that funds existed. And when I got a taste of what it was like, I thought I wanted to make it even more passive. And actually, it was another way of reducing risk by looking at the fund route. So I now do mortgage note funds instead just to make it more passive. Okay, awesome. So as you add more passive investments, especially when you're adding them over several asset classes, I'm sure it's tougher and tougher to keep track of their performances. How do you track and measure the sponsor, the investment itself, and how your investments are doing over all these different investments and asset classes? Okay, good question. Here's what I do. I just keep it simple. I just want to, I keep the lines of communication open. Every quarter I check in with the sponsor, just, you know, talk to them. They typically send out an email as well, just give a status update of what's happened in the last quarter. But I also like to talk to them as well and just, you know, figure out what, what they say to me and what's happened. Um, in the last quarter, if we met the projections on the returns or not, and if we didn't, why? And just, I want to hear it in their, you know, I want to hear it in their voice and making sure that we're, that in the long run, that we're still headed towards the overall goal of hitting our mark. And I feel that even if we, we missed the mark in a particular quarter, I know that provided that there's being as transparent as possible, that I could, I'd still be fine with, you know, working with them. Okay. And so... Through your syndications, has there been any type of communication maybe you'd like to see better than other sponsors? I'm always interested in that piece because we send out our communications as well and trying to learn from that. What are the things that you like to see and uh, maybe would like to see done better as far as a communication standpoint? Sometimes I feel like over-communicate, I would say. Sometimes I feel as a passive investors, the sponsors themselves just don't communicate enough. It's not that they're missing any details in their communication. I just feel like they should communicate more than less. Okay. And so are you getting right now monthly or quarterly type of communication? With some sponsors quarterly and some are monthly. It depends. Okay. Got it. Any advice to someone looking to get into passively investing through syndications since you've you know just started your journey over the last couple of years? Yep. So really just first off, get educated. I mean, the nice thing about this space right now is that there's so many ways of getting free education through podcasts and everything so digital right now. Don't be afraid to talk to other passive investors, even if you're new. It's okay if you don't understand the lingo. Just, you know, just have real estate conversations with them, see what they're doing, how they're doing it, see if that resonates with you because you're trying to figure out what works for you. And then start, consider getting a, getting a mentor. You're going to learn the fastest in this business if you, if you partner up or just are guided by somebody that's already done what you want to do. It'll just explode uh, the growth of your, your investing business. Yep. Great advice. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yep. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney, Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money, but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. 
Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. All right, Dale, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Honestly, it's probably my, my overall network. This business is such a people business, and I couldn't do it without my network. I mean, and outside of that, it would be my actual iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing, and what's the main takeaway for our listeners? Biggest mistake is just really... When you make your investment, make sure that the numbers really pencil out before you buy the investment. So like that investment, I, my very first out-of-state property investment was that rental property in Las Vegas. I bought it as an, with an interest-only loan. It was technically cash flow at the time, but that loan was both, again, interest-only and it was an adjustable rate mortgage. It was not interest-only when the rate adjusted and it also became principal and interest. So I had to eat it for several years before I sold it. I did sell it and was able to walk away with money to invest again. But had I known, I should have, the next time I, if I were to buy an out-of-state property, it's like buy something that's on a, based on a, a fully amortized type of loan, not an interest only. All right, thanks for that. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? For me, it's to keep investing. And I'm gotten really excited about passive investing that I want to just, you know, help others do it along the way and hopefully start my own syndication soon, actually. Awesome. And finally, where can people find out more about you? You can look me up on LinkedIn, Dale Corpus. I'm on Instagram, sold by Dale. And my email address is uh, dale at keytothebay.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting us pick your brain and for the super relatable content for our listeners. So we appreciate you being on our show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dale. Cool. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.